Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of The Gunshot. My name is Grant Gunn, and I'm joined with my sister, Lauren. Lauren, we've got a lot to talk about. We talked a little bit about Ben Simmons last time. We had another great downloads uh, and support from everybody, so we appreciate the love. We want to hear from you guys more on Ben Simmons. So today, Lauren and I are going to be talking about some of the trade packages that we've put together for Ben Simmons, some of the places we could see him going, as well as just an overall update on the situation. So, Lauren, I know you've got some notes. Uh, give us an update on the Ben Simmons situation. Yeah, so I believe it was yesterday or maybe the day before I listened to uh, the Hoop Collective, which is Brian Winhorst's podcast, where he had Tim McMahon and Tim Bontemps on there. And uh, I know it was kind of floating around Twitter, but for those who did not get a chance to listen to it, I'm just going to run through the highlights on the situation, which I, I do think, uh, and really anything that I took away that I believe could be a factor in how this situation plays out. So uh, the first thing that they noted was that Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, and Josh Harris, who's the owner of the 76ers, flew out to LA uh, with the intent of getting on the same page with Ben Simmons. They went out there um, before that meeting. All they had ever heard from was Rich Paul, who who told Daryl Morey that Simmons wanted to be traded. So the three of them flew out there with the intent to get on the same page uh, and get Ben to understand that the only way they were going to be able to trade him was to get him on the floor to play. Uh, to increase his value because the offers that they had been receiving were were so underwhelming. So they fly out there. Ben Simmons looks them dead in the face and says, I don't care, trade me. Um, and Windhorse talked about how significant it is for a player's agent to, to, to go up to, to Daryl Morey and say, how, like the difference in the situation between Simmons going, Simmons himself saying trade me and his agent saying trade me. So that was a pretty... Uh, big kind of point in this whole timeline of this entire situation. Uh, so that is, I thought that that was very interesting. Um, they also noted that for every week Ben Simmons doesn't show up or play, he loses 1.3 million, or he can be, I should say he, he can be penalized $1.3 million. Um, ben Simmons camp also told Windhorse that they are prepared for those repercussions Um, Windhorst also noted that on July 1st, each year, every player in the NBA can get a a specific portion of their salary. He talked about a lot of players and and how they kind of get creative with that and use that to their advantage. But with Simmons specifically, uh, he doesn't get his first check until November 15th, which, which is about 10 weeks from now. So he, he freight, or he kind of uh, position this as the 76ers having 10 weeks to really figure this situation out um, because he's he's not really going to lose that money if he gets traded in the next 10 weeks which I would think would happen um, then he'll just start with this next team and and I think those penalties will will just go away as and that kind of sounds like it doesn't really make sense but when horse made it seem like that's that could be a real possibility so um they talked about how Daryl Morey is the one guy uh, in in an NBA in every NBA front office who's willing to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, and so trying to force Daryl Morey's hand is not something that can be easily done. Um, so I think it'll be very. They talked. They they said that this situation could get very messy very quickly, and we all saw how the James Harden situation went and how 
when he wasn't showing up, it was, it became very quickly, Hey, we need to move on from this situation to start to get our team and, and know who our group is moving forward because you can't have a bad situation like that lingering, but this is unique. And Daryl Morey is a guy, like I said, you can't force his hand. So this could be, this really could get very messy and could go on for a long time because the only way for Simmons value to go up is for him to be on the court. And he keeps saying that he has no intention of getting on the court. So um, right now, Philadelphia has their eyes on Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. I think everybody in the league is looking at them saying that's never going to happen. Uh, they do want a superstar who's going to be ready to win now with this Philadelphia team. They don't want young guys. They don't want Davion Mitchell uh, or Marvin Bagley or, or even Buddy Heald. They want someone who's going to come in and, and win now. Uh, they also mentioned the Timberwolves offer uh, of Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, um, and really anyone else is not even remotely close to enough to, to what they're looking for. Um, they, they, he mentioned that Philadelphia wants cat. They, they didn't even really touch on D'Lo. They said they want cat. And, um, and obviously Minnesota was like, yeah, that that's just not happening. So there's a clear, we all know that there's a clear disconnect and the expected return versus um, what's being talked about right now, but it will be very interesting to see if, you know, training camp starts game one starts, Ben Simmons hasn't been traded and he hasn't shown up is there anything that can be done from Ben Simmons camp to try and push this effort to move forward or to get traded? Um, So it it will be very interesting. It could get really messy. And uh, I just, I I really don't know what's going to happen next, but we do have a couple of teams that I think could make sense for everyone involved and aren't the Kings or the Timberwolves. So we can get into those in a bit, but Grant, what are your thoughts on, on everything that I just broke down from the Windhorse? uh, the wind horse pod. Yes. I want to unpack a couple things. Um, the, the first thing you talk about is Daryl moral, Daryl Morey, not being afraid to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compared it as well to the James Harden situation last year. Obviously yes. Morey was not with the Rockets at that point, but the Rockets, I think knew moving on from James Harden, we're going to be in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've listened to the JJ Reddick pod, he's talked about how in the past he heard from somebody that he knew to be very well connected that the James Harden, Ben Simmons swap uh, was a done deal. I think everybody last year thought that was a done deal. And then kind of in the 11th hour, James Harden ended up in Brooklyn. But if you remember, James Harden started off the season and played eight games for the Rockets. Um, I think it's a little different because even with Ben Simmons joining the Rockets, I don't know that that would have been a team that would have really competed for a playoff spot. Um, definitely a different team than they ended up fielding last year, but a little bit of a different situation. I think the 76ers see themselves having a title contention window open right now. Mm -hmm. And I think they want to have this Philly um, situation or this Ben Simmons situation put to bed and, and moved on. They want, they want to have this resolved going into training camp. Uh, I don't think it serves them at all to linger into the season Um, and, I obviously have nothing sourced in that. I don't know. It just, to me, would not make any sense for them to let this drag out any longer than, than it would seem to. So I think that's an interesting piece of this. Um, that being said, they're not going to, to dump Ben Simmons for nothing. Like you said, uh, right. wanting, wanting to raise his value is definitely um, a, a key piece of this. What I think is interesting and, and, something that's just going to naturally raise its value is the fact that he is an all-star. 
um, and you're going to have teams bidding against each other. Those two things just inherently are going to raise a player's value. Now, to what extent is going to remain uh, the question, but watching Ben and, and the front office kind of publicly duking yeah. this out is not going to do wonders for his value either. So you really are kind of stuck in this catch-22 of, well, Ben, we really need you to work with us here, and, and also we want to get you out of here as well. And so, like, there's just – there's not a lot of wiggle room here. And so it is definitely a fascinating situation, but I think there's a lot of different aspects to consider when you're trying to move on from them. Yeah, definitely. They, they did mention in the podcast that Ben has expressed to the 76ers that it's your job to get what you want back for me. It's your job to trade me. I don't, all I, all I'm responsible for is telling you that I want to be traded and I would like to move on. So that could get very interesting because like you said, well, it is this catch 22 where they do need him to work with, with him. And if he wants to get, or if he wants, wants to get what he wants, then he might need to do that. So I just, I don't know how sour the situation has turned with Philadelphia uh, they also mentioned that I, I forgot to mention before uh, was that Daryl Morey had been trying to trade Ben Simmons since the moment he got to Philadelphia and Ben Simmons was aware. So this is a situation, there's probably some, some kind of, this has been a slow build and now it is just like all coming to a T and it's very, very messy. Part of me wonders if it could get to the point where it's like, we want, I, you need to trade him now. I don't care what the return is. And they start maybe leaking some information about Philadelphia that maybe Philadelphia doesn't want out there. Maybe they're like, I have no idea what to expect. It's really kind of one of those things where it's like, how bad could this get before it's like, okay, at this point, we, like you said, we need to get this situation behind us. So it is interesting comparing the Harden situation to now the Simmons situation because they are so different in terms of the caliber of player, uh, the, the, what was going to happen to the organization after the trade, you know, one's in a rebuild one, like you said, is still in a contending window. So that really kind of changes what you're willing to accept as a return, especially given the fact that one, the off season has, has come and gone. So a lot of the flexibility going into the off season has kind of already been sorted out for some of these other teams. They, they know what direction they're headed in and they're ready to pursue that. Um, Ben Simmons still being out there, like you're, it just, it, it makes it a lot more difficult to try and make something happen. Uh, but there are some teams out there. And I, I do think that there are a couple of scenarios where those, it could work out for everyone with the timeline that they want to be on with, with the, um, I guess, stage that they're in, whether it be rebuilding or also contending. Um, there are a couple of teams out there that, that I think are worth discussing. But again, it's something where Philadelphia, it's not going to be, a Damian Lillard it's not going to be a Bradley Beal so uh it's I really don't even know what to say in terms of a timetable because if I'm Philadelphia I don't want to start the season with Ben Simmons on my team but what are you really going to be able to get right now like you the leverage just it seems like by the hour is going down what do you think Absolutely. I think it goes down to an extent, though. Uh, like I said, he is a all-star caliber player. Uh, maybe you'd argue fringe um, all-star, but no doubt this guy has a kind of floor-raising ability. I think the questions surround him or surrounding him uh, relate to the playoffs. Uh, this guy's 
three-time All-Star. He's played in pretty much every game since his um, rookie season. Um, so he so he does have value. The question is, what is it? So let's kind of dive into that. We're going to talk about some teams we think um, that have some trade packages. Off the top, Lauren, I want to talk about um, the, the LAs or the California teams. It was it was I don't know if it was um, Ben that said or or maybe it was Rich Paul, but it said he wanted to end up in three of the four California teams, assuming that's Golden State and the two LAs. Uh, Lauren, what does that look like? I think we can kind of go ahead and rule out the Lakers. They don't really mm-hmm. have any uh, available moves to make here. That's going to be real tough there. Right. Um, so looking at the Warriors and the Clippers, let's let's talk about the Clippers because I think that's a little um, tougher as well, but mm-hmm. but still doable. So let's talk about the Clippers and what they can do, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Warriors. Um, I'll give you a second to pull some stuff together while you're pulling your notes. Uh, something that I thought off the top. So they just brought in Eric Bledsoe. Uh, that's an 18.1 million dollar contract this year, but that's gonna that can't be traded for a little while. So if you're looking to move off of that that may take a little time same thing with reggie jackson who recently signed his um 10 million dollar i don't know if that was the mle i think it was just i think he just came back it looked like maybe uh a baka was brought in with the mle so you you could potentially put reggie jackson in this deal but again he's gonna have to it's there's time's gonna have to pass before you can include him in a trade uh so so right now you're kind of looking at marcus morris luke Kennard. Um, maybe you're throwing in Terrence Mann and a couple of picks in there. Is that something you would be interested in, Philly? Obviously, you're getting a couple win now players. Um, maybe you're acquiring some picks in there, some pick swaps to kind of help um, bridge the gap between some of these older players and Ben Simmons being 25 years old. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts for the Clippers or or something there? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting because you look at Kawhi and you look at Paul George and they're both guys who contribute on both ends of the floor. And so adding Ben Simmons to that kind of checks off a checks off your need for that ball handler and also brings another guy to the floor who's extremely versatile and, and is an elite defender. So that takes some pressure off of both Kawhi and Paul George. The thing that I struggle with is I just don't know that you're going to be able to convince Philadelphia that Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard are enough of a return. I think the Clippers are so high on Terrence Mann and they're, I, uh, I spoke to Garrett Korpenig who uh, writes for the Clippers and he, I believe it's, I believe he writes for sports illustrated with the Clippers. Um, And he said that any deal with Terrence Mann, he is not willing to even really look twice at. Um, So personally, I don't think, the Clippers are a super likely destination. Uh, I think getting Eric Bledsoe didn't next, I don't think that that's necessarily like their dream situation, but again, a guy that plays on, on both sides of the ball um, and they brought back Reggie Jackson. So I think they, they're, they still like what Reggie brings to the table, especially after last year's performance and adding Eric Bledsoe gives you a little bit more depth at that position. So I don't really know how Ben Simmons, uh, I mean, I think while they would, while they could see the appeal to Ben Simmons, it wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't feel, I don't think, believe Philadelphia sees enough win now players uh, that would come back to them. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think the holdup on this side ends up being on Philly's side. Um, yeah, and I, I don't blame them. I, I don't think Kennard or Morris um, bring quite enough to you. I, I do think what's going to be a recurring theme here is you're going to tell us that this young piece is not worth giving up. Uh, and I think that's just how differently you and I view Ben Simmons. And, and 
by no means am I a huge Ben Simmons fan. I just think when you and I look at him, our value is different. So yes, unfortunately, I'm turning into the Ben Simmons defender in this case. Um, but when you look at a guy like Terrence Mann, no doubt had a great season last year, was helpful in the playoffs after Kawhi went down. Um, but anytime you get a chance to upgrade uh, from a guy like Terrence Mann and obviously getting off of Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard too would, would factor into this, but bringing in a guy like Ben Simmons, I mean, you talked about the defensive prowess of that team throwing Kawhi, Paul George, and Ben Simmons at you. Um, and so just think of that in the playoffs as, as something that you can't pass on. Um, no doubt that the Clippers think if they had Kawhi healthy last year, maybe they're the ones hoisting the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is they're two years into this Kawhi experiment and they don't have the title that they thought they would have had by now. And so if you think about this and adding Ben Simmons, does that change things for them? Maybe that's worth including Terrence Mann and some picks to try to pull that trigger. So again, I think this goes back to Philly and not being something that Philly would be willing to do. Um, but from the Clippers side of things, I don't think Terrence Mann should be the one holding this deal back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the thing, the thing, and, and this what again, what might be where we differ on, on certain packages and who would be included and who wouldn't be, they know what they've got with Terrence Mann. And while the questions with Ben Simmons and his potential, and while he has a lot of the tools, so yeah, adding Ben Simmons is is probably something that would make a lot of sense or that the Clippers would would love uh, if it were out there and his value were low enough to where they could add him. But there are there's this internal value that teams have with their players. Uh, and they're just, they're not willing to let certain players go. And with Terrence Mann, they saw flashes last year and they, they do have a good idea of where he fits within this system with Ben Simmons. While we can talk about it, I don't really know if, or I I feel like there are enough questions with Ben Simmons to where um, they might not be so sure with exactly what they're getting, exactly what that would look like. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard because you would have Ben Simmons in LA. He would be happy in LA. He would be forming a big three. So it does, it does make a lot of sense. Um, And so I I do think that the Clippers might be willing to include Terrence Mann if you, if they do look at it that way and they're ready to kind of take that next, that, I mean, like you said, floor raiser. Uh, But I don't know. I, I think, I would be interested to, t- I, to to talk to each NBA team and see where they be- view Ben Simmons and if they do feel certain with, oh, I know exactly what kind of player he is or he's the type of player that I am ready to insert into my system and I would give up young players for, or if that specific organization with that specific young player says, we don't like the questions surrounding Ben Simmons. We don't think he's a right fit for our culture or for our current group of guys. Uh, and I do think the Clippers, I could argue both sides for that. Absolutely. I think that's the ultimate kind of question when all of this comes down to is how does each team individually view Ben Simmons and his value? Because you and I are sitting here spitballing, but when we do this for each team, our outlook on Ben Simmons value is the same from the eyes of each team. And obviously we talk about fit and what that looks like for each team differently, but you have a set value of Ben Simmons the way I have a set value and everyone listening to this views Ben Simmons a certain way, but that is not how each of these teams view him. And so, that's a, that's a very interesting variable that we can't factor into this. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously do our best spitballing, but, but that's a huge piece of this. That's a great point. Um, moving on, I want to talk about the other LA or the other California team, and that's Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you look at the package that they could put together, um, I think it's the one that makes the most sense. They have a little mix of win-now players, a little mix of young guys. Um, they could potentially throw something together 
that I think could entice Philly. This is a trade, though, that I think would not be on Philly's end. This would be something that Golden State may may decide, you know, Ben Simmons really isn't worth giving up what we have. So um, I think in any Ben Simmons trade, they would probably be offering Andrew Wiggins. That gets you pretty close into cap matching scenarios. Uh, Andrew Wiggins could be a nice flashing scorer that Philly could use. Uh, the problem is Philly's going to look for a ball handler in return. I don't know that Golden State can offer that, but you may throw in I, I wouldn't throw in Jonathan Kaminga, but maybe you've got Wiseman concerns with his injuries. Um, and so you throw Wiseman in there with Wiggins, maybe mm-hmm. a protected pick or something like that. Um, Lauren, I don't know if you have any trade packages or anything you would put together, but I've got to think it would be something surrounded by Wiggins. And then you're throwing in Wiseman or maybe even Moses Moody um, yeah. just, just to try to entice Philly a little bit. Um, that being said, I don't know if this is something Golden State would be willing to do. So, Lauren, what are your thoughts on on Ben Simmons to Golden State and any package they could throw together? So, Golden State is very fascinating because I think you and I are on the same page that Draymond Green isn't necessarily – we don't believe he would be involved in this for either – I don't think Golden State would want him to be, and I don't think Philly would want him to be. So, it would come right. back to – to, it would come back to Andrew Wiggins. Uh, and this is where I think a third team could get involved because you've got lots of teams. And I keep going back to the Spurs because the Spurs have a ball handler that they've been shopping in DeJounte Murray, and they have made it very known that they are trying to get younger and younger and younger. And so we can come back to the Spurs uh, with some other topics, but maybe James Wiseman uh, is where you look at involving that third team and maybe San Antonio has some interest in someone like James Wiseman. Uh, and that's where you can kind of look at this rotation where Golden State is getting Ben Simmons. Um, sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think this in my head, think this through in my head. Golden State is getting Ben Simmons. Philadelphia is getting DeJounte Murray plus Andrew Wiggins plus something else, maybe, and maybe if I don't even know if, if they can swing more than that. And then San Antonio is getting James Wiseman, which the, I think that was a home run for, for San Antonio, because I think they're kind of looking at DeJounte Murray and saying, um, we like him. He likes being here, but what's the true ceiling? We just drafted Josh Primo, Trey Young or Trey Jones looked pretty solid in summer league. So where, what's the trajectory of this team? What timeline are we on? Um, and so that's where I think things could get really interesting for San Antonio. San Antonio might have to offer up a little bit more. Uh, I'd be interested to see if maybe you can, they also were shopping Derek white. Maybe you throw Derek white, uh, to golden state, or you involve Seth Curry in there. I know that there's been some talk about Seth Curry also being out there on the trade market. So maybe you bring Seth Curry to join his brother in golden state. I just, I think that there are a lot of potential moves involving a third team here where golden state moves off of someone like James Wiseman, who, I think on paper, like when, when it was time to draft and they chose James Wiseman or they were deciding who to choose, I was like, they have to choose Jason, James Wiseman because they need a center. They need someone who's over 6'9". So if they keep him, I don't think it's a bad move. But if you want to get Ben Simmons, you're not there. Golden State is not going to be willing to include Jonathan Kaminga. And I don't think that they really want to include Moses Moody either. And I don't think Philly even wants Moses Moody. They want win now players. So I think... If you're moving off of Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman, 
you're having that conversation of would we rather have someone like Ben Simmons or would we rather kind of hold on to James Wiseman? Like that's, I think that's the number one question uh, for Golden State. And that's where you can kind of make something happen with a third team who is super young. And maybe you even include Toronto in there. Toronto needs a, a center and they're super young. So there are lots of options there. And I would really keep my eye on James Wiseman. Yeah, a couple notes there. Uh, you talked about the Spurs wanting to get younger and shopping to Jonte Murray. He's only 24 years old, so he's younger mm-hmm. than Ben Simmons is right now, which is an interesting factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in that three-team swap, you've got a little, you've got a lot of cap going one way. Uh, Billy is is bringing on a ton, but not necessarily. Or maybe it was I don't know. You had Wiggins and Simmons going somewhere. San Antonio only giving up Murray, who makes roughly 15, I think. So there there might have to be some caps cap pieces in that but uh it's definitely an interesting thing to kind of consider uh, i do think if, if simmons were to wind up being routed to golden state i think you're right it would take a third team to kind of help facilitate that um, because there are just so many pieces that um golden state wouldn't want to move on from um but i think kind of like the clippers they're in a spot where ever since kd has left they have been plagued by injuries, whether it's been Steph or Clay or, or whatever the situation may be. I think they're finally looking at this year as, hey, we've got everybody healthy. We're going to make a run at this title. And if they think Ben Simmons is somebody who could add to that squad, why would you not go for it? Uh, I, I, and I'm going to say that a lot. I think that's going to apply to every team mm-hmm. um, because I think Ben Simmons is a guy that can help lift your team depending on who you are. Um, and, and even – when we were talking about Sacramento last week, he's not going to make Sacramento a contender, um, but Sacramento has only been to the playoffs once or I get Minnesota and Sacramento confused as the two who haven't seen the playoffs in forever. One of them has only seen it like once in the past 15 years. I think that was Minnesota. Yeah. I think it's Minnesota. And the other. Yeah. And so Sacramento's on like a 17 or 18 year drought. And so like, if they just want to sniff the playoffs, maybe Ben Simmons is a guy to go do that. So like, it's going to take one of these teams stepping up and swinging just a little bit, maybe overpaying compared to what the offers being floated are around right now, because one, it sounds like Philly's dead set on holding him for, for a solid offer, but two, all teams want to launch themselves further in the standings right now. It kind of looks a little jumbled in the West. Maybe the Lakers are kind of the front runner uh, for the, um, the one seed next year, but, I think you and I have talked about their playoff outlook being a little, um, a little different, not having a ton of shooting. And so Ben Simmons is just a piece. When you look at adding him to golden state, you see a guy that raises your floor. Yes or no. And, and what are you willing to go to go swing for? So I, I don't know. I don't know what that price is for golden state. I personally would not be moving on from um, Kaminga. Yeah. I don't know that Moses Moody is a guy that you move on from. I think he's a good NBA ready guy. So I don't think he hurts. Um, to move on from, but he, he's a nice, cheap um, NBA-ready player. So I think that's great for for Golden State, unless they're unless they're willing to go move for Ben Simmons. So I just don't know. There's a lot of kind of pieces here. I, I don't know what their internal view on James Wiseman is either. So yeah, I think James Wiseman is a very interesting piece to this puzzle because if he if if Golden State can find a way to swing this trade where Moses Moody is the young piece going to San Antonio if San Antonio is somehow involved in this three-team trade and Golden State finds a way to keep James Wiseman and bring in Ben Simmons that's huge and I do think that there's a scenario in which that does happen and and maybe you're moving off of Andrew Wiggins going to Philly and Moses Moody 
plus maybe Jordan Poole or somebody else that's young going to San Antonio. And if you can find a way to have a starting lineup where you and I have talked a lot about Ben Simmons being this positionless type player uh, and you have Steph, Clay, Draymond, Ben Simmons, and James Wiseman as your starting group with Kaminga still off the bench, uh, that's that's a pretty crazy lineup for Golden State. And you and I have also talked about how Ben Simmons is best when he has the ball in his hands as a playmaker. And Steph and Clay are two guys that are absolutely fantastic. Maybe even the top, I would say the top of the league in terms of off ball shooting. So you are running them off screens. You've got Ben Simmons making the right pass. And that's a very, very tough offense to guard. What are your thoughts on that potential lineup of Steph, Clay, Ben, Draymond, and Wiseman? Yeah, I think that's a little terrifying. I, it is. You go back to you go back to uh, their days when Harrison Barnes. What did they call that lineup? It's been so long. I can't the Hamptons even remember. Five? Thank you, the Hampton Five. Man, good for you. Yeah, you you could even pull out um, Wiseman and plug in Kaminga, and that yeah. could be your closing lineup and play almost the exact same way. And, and maybe Kaminga is not the shooter Barnes is, but nonetheless, you're you're looking at a very deadly lineup defensively. That's uh, a kind of staggering lineup of throwing Draymond and Simmons at you and no doubt that's just a, a very enticing lineup I think if you're Golden State which is why you you say hey why why not swing why not add some of these guys um to go make that 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 play so I'm I'm with you there again what does it come down to how are how are all of these guys viewed in the eyes of these different front offices I don't I don't know if that's something I mean does does Philly want Wiggins and Wiseman is that enough I mean maybe you throw some picks in there and, and whatever that looks like but but is that enough for Philly and, and maybe it is just to get off of of Simmons but no doubt they want to contend now they're looking at Milwaukee and what they've done they're looking at Brooklyn and say oh my gosh they're going to be healthy next year so um this Ben Simmons and and Embiid scenario has seemed to run its course, uh, but people have been talking about had it, had it run its course last season, last off season, and even the off season before that. Uh, with the contrasting play styles, there was no no doubt it was either going to result in a title or it was going to crash and burn. Everyone just thought we needed to trade or they needed to trade Simmons before it got to that point. Unfortunately for them, we're here, uh, and and they're going to end up trading Simmons for less than they probably could have a year ago or even at the trade deadline. And, and I don't blame them for wanting to run this out, um, but they are stuck now with taking some of, of what they're going to get. So uh, I think that's an interesting aspect of it, but but let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about some of these other teams we've looked at. Uh, maybe we talk a little bit about Sacramento. I know you and I have floated another team around the East that we think uh, Ben Simmons would be a great fit on. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about that. All right, welcome back. So, Lauren, before the break, we talked about Ben Simmons in, in a couple of the California teams. We didn't talk about the Kings. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about them last pot and what that looks like. Is there anything else um, as things have continued to develop that you want to touch on with the Kings, what a package might look like, or, or do you think we've kind of touched on that already? Well, I, I guess just to, to reiterate, I, and even after that, that podcast came out where with Windhorse, where they said the package of, of Davion Mitchell or really just any package that doesn't include Darren Fox or uh, Tyrese Halliburton is not going to be enough. I still don't believe that Sacramento caves and includes one of those two players. I don't see that being the case, uh, even though 
Philadelphia is is holding firm uh, with where they're at on the on the Simmons front as of as of right now. So um, personally, I don't. I'm starting to think that it's it's significantly less likely that Sacramento is going to wind up uh, with Ben Simmons given the the average age of their roster. Right. I'm with you. Uh, before the break, we also teased kind of seeing an Eastern conference team that we think could make a move or, or we think would be an interesting place for Ben Simmons. However, before we do that, I want to talk about another team that seems to be stuck in this pattern of not quite getting over the hump, not really in the Western conference finals outside of one year. And that's the Portland trailblazers. Uh, do you, do we think they could be a team here that Ben Simmons uh, finds his way to, to help kind of raise that floor? You talked about Philly wanting Damian Lillard and that never happening. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. If, if I'm Portland, I don't think there's any world where I'm trading game for just about anybody in the league. So um, CJ McCollum's another guy who, who you could see this swap being um, a part of. Maybe there's a three-team trade that, that this kind of works around. Uh, and that's an interesting kind of dynamic that we can talk through. Um, I, I personally, I, I, so recently I listened to the JJ Reddick pod where CJ McCollum came on. Uh, which was absolutely a great episode. I, I recommend anyone going back and listening to that because CJ had a lot of cool stories of, of him growing up uh, playing in high school and then, and then off to college at Lehigh and then ultimately joining the league. Uh, but one of the things he talked about was his relationship with Dame and how Dame was a huge factor into CJ being drafted by Portland. And so I, it's so hard for me to imagine after having listened to that, um, CJ McCollum winding up anywhere uh, I think in a perfect world, they'd like to keep him there and try to bring in Ben Simmons to add to that core. Um, now, again, you look at this from Philly's side, and I don't know if there's a way that that can happen without including a third team to, to route something towards Philly. Uh, but, Lauren, I want to talk about Ben Simmons and, and Portland, obviously another team that would want to add something to help take them up to the next level. So so what are your thoughts on on Portland? Yeah, the CJ, the CJ piece to that puzzle is very interesting uh, because that is like we like we mentioned at the very beginning of this, Philadelphia has their eyes on Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. And no, that is just not going to happen, uh, which kind of naturally shifts the attention to CJ McCollum. And for the reason that you just said, the relationship with Damian Lillard between Damian and, and CJ McCollum it's just too strong and it's, it's a big, big risk. So I think the only way a CJ Ben Simmons swap or even a third team swap in which where you have CJ going out and Ben coming in, that would only happen if CJ and Dame were to kind of have a one-on-one conversation and say, Hey, you know, I want the best for you. I want the best for you. Maybe it's time for us to kind of finally split that. And I just, I don't see that happening quite right now. Um, so yeah, maybe there is a, a situation where they can involve a third team and get Ben Simmons and add him to that core. I think that that could be very fascinating. Uh, Robert Covington did used to play in Philadelphia. They've got some interesting young pieces, you know, and Anthony Simons and, um, they, I mean, Nas Little, they do have some, some, some young pieces in there that they could maybe move somewhere else again, maybe bringing in San Antonio or another team that could give or could offer Philadelphia that playmaking replacement that they're looking for. Uh, but as of right now, I don't see a situation where Portland ends up with Ben Simmons uh, due to the fact that I don't believe they're going to be willing to move off of, of Dame or CJ. Uh, I did see the tweet that Dame liked that was a um it was a like a jersey swap of him standing next to Ben Simmons with 
with a, a Ben wearing a Portland Jersey. And I don't think that that's like an indication or a shot at CJ by any means, or an indication that he would prefer to play or like be the, a duo with, with Ben, as opposed to CJ. Uh, I think he's interested in having Ben come there, but I don't believe he would be willing to do it uh, with C- CJ being the price to pay. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I want to throw this at you and I haven't run this through a trade uh, what do you call it? A trade simulator or anything, mm-hmm. but, but pulling Robert Covington and, and Yusuf Nurkic, mm-hmm. uh, sending them, I, I think of Indiana as a third team to come in and help facilitate this. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could finagle these pieces a little bit, but I think Covington going back to Indiana, uh, I think miles Turner could be an interesting piece, um, to throw here. Maybe miles Turner goes to, um, Philly in this scenario and Ben Simmons finds his way to Portland. Um, you've got to throw some picks in here. Maybe Philly sending some picks and pick swaps in these way to help kind of facilitate this. Um, but but just trying to come up with a scenario here where you've got a Dame, CJ, Ben Simmons trio in Portland. Um, you get some sort of win now talent in Miles Turner going to um, Philly, while you also kind of split Sabonis and, and Turner. I think a lot of people have have talked over the years that absolutely two talented players, but do they fit perfectly together, especially in a Rick Carlisle system is going to be interesting. He's known for playing a smaller four uh, in Dallas. So um, kind of an interesting aspect there. You, you could even route Covington to, to Indy to, to be the four there, um, which is kind of how you depend on how you look at this. So Lauren, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Obviously I'm very broad view here. I'm not giving you a ton of specifics, but, mm-hmm. but just something I'm kind of spitballing there I, I, that, that I think could be interesting. Yeah, I do think Indiana could fi- could find their way into this Ben Simmons conversation. Personally, that scenario right there, I don't see Philadelphia wanting, having any interest in either Nurkic or uh, Miles Turner simply because they have obviously they have Embiid and they have uh, Tobias Harris, but they also signed Andre Drummond this offseason. So I just I don't really see them at wanting to add another big to that. Uh, but I think Miles Turner potentially to Philadelphia or excuse me, Miles Turner to um, Portland and maybe Ben Simmons to Indiana could be something that's that's interesting. Uh, Nurkic has a very close relationship with Damian Lillard, but he does have a lot of injury concerns. Uh, so adding adding Miles Turner to this group could uh, add, you know, this extra layer of protection. And Miles Turner has experience playing with another big, like you mentioned, uh, with playing alongside Sabonis. So Indiana has a lot of movable pieces that I think could be could end up being in play with this with this uh, Ben Simmons scenario. But uh, Portland has a a very high hurdle to jump to to figure out a way to get Ben Simmons there, and it might have to end up them like if, if if Portland throws picks to San Antonio and they find a way to get DeJounte Murray or and, and I keep going back to this DeJounte Murray situation because I'm trying to find uh or really just um, any team that is willing to move off of a guard that is a starting a starting point guard that could come in and contribute immediately I keep going back there because they can also absorb a lot of money but any scenario where that's the case and that team would be willing to move on from that player that's the player that a team like Portland uh, or Indiana or Utah or anyone could try and, and and loop in 
to include where maybe they're not that that player that's or that team that's trying to add Ben Simmons doesn't have to give up a current asset, but would be willing to add, you know, a bunch of picks to send to that younger team that is trying to focus on their future as opposed to their present. So um, it's it's it would be very challenging for Portland, but I, there is a scenario where it does happen. Um, we, we talked about that that November 15th deadline at the beginning when we were reviewing the Windhorse pod. Uh, Norman Powell was a recently signed guy bring, being brought back to Portland. Uh, once that deadline passes where he can now be traded, is that something where they're like, hey, yeah, we'll move Norman Powell if, if it means we can bring in Ben Simmons, another floor raiser, or like a floor raiser, like you mentioned. So uh, this could get interesting it really depends on on the timeline of when this this all pans out and who who makes the right offer first because I really think that there's a lot of there are many teams out there that could come in and Philly says hey this is the best offer we've gotten and it makes sense for our current roster let's just pull the trigger and be done absolutely no I think it's interesting you you talk about Ben Simmons being around Indy because I know you and I had floated this around when we went yeah. to lunch last week I, I think that's a very interesting aspect too I don't think Portland would be too uh, disappointed to, to add Miles Turner to that group. Um, one of the one of the things I brought up when we were at lunch is, is how fascinating it would be to watch a Rick Carlisle offense ran by a guard who could not shoot the ball. Um, yeah. I, that is just, I think, an interesting dynamic to this. Uh, Rick Carlisle has been known to kind of not butt heads, but but it's been his offense. And so, um, obviously, having a talented guy like Luca was was easy for him to kind of step back and say, all right, here's the keys, drive the bus kid. Um, does he feel that same way about a guy like Ben Simmons? I don't know. Uh, that would be so fascinating to me to watch. And so um, definitely Indy has the pieces to kind of move this on. Maybe, maybe they send Brogdon to yep. Philly to help um, That's the one. get the, yeah, get the point guard that, that Philly needs to help kind of run their offense uh, as well as be a win now guy that can contribute. Um, and, and, it kind of keeps Indy chugging along. So I don't know, a lot of interesting aspects to this. Lauren, is there anything else? I want to move on and talk about kind of our, our, our team we've been teasing in the East a little bit. It wasn't Indy, uh, though I think that was a, a worthy discussion to have. Uh, I think there's one more Eastern Conference team that I think could be willing to make a move to get them over the hump. Yeah, no, I, I don't have anything else to add on, on Indy or any other Eastern Conference teams. But after we touch on this Eastern Conference team, I want to throw at you a Western Conference team uh, that I think could be in play. And, and that's a discussion worth having. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I want to talk about this team, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, a team who did make the Eastern Conference Finals, who I think could see themselves and say, hey, uh, we're right there. We need something to get over the hump. But I think maybe the front office deep down could also be saying, you know, sure, we were right there in the Eastern Conference Finals, but with a healthy Brooklyn team, uh, with a healthy Philly team, uh, and Bede having been knocked up just a little bit. Um, and obviously they had a great first round draw against the Knicks. Like a, a couple different things bounce another way. Uh, and Atlanta is not in the second round of the playoffs potentially. And so do, does the front office stay see, hey, we, we got a little lucky getting there. Obviously, um, the guys they added, bringing in Gallo and Bog, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, were huge for them. Uh, I always want to – I get Bogey and uh, Utah's Bogdanovich confused. Yeah. Bogdan and – Boyan. Boyan, thank you. Um, so, so I always want to make sure I get those right. Anyway, um, 
I feel like internally the office, the front office could be saying, Hey, we need, we need something to get us there because we kind of got, I don't want to say lucky, but they caught lightning in the bottle and, and everything went right for them. So I want to, I want to talk this out. Mm-hmm. I think a trade like this would have to be surrounded like a, a Gallo and Bogdan swap um, for Ben Simmons. And maybe you throw in um, a couple first round picks. I know they have OKC's lottery protected first round next year. Uh, they also have their own first round in the next two years. Uh, so maybe a combination of, of a couple picks plus Gallo and Bogdan um, for a Ben Simmons swap. Lauren, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when you first hear Ben Simmons to the Hawks, you're like, well, they already have a point guard and they already have, you know, this modern small ball big who they just committed a bunch of money to and John Collins. But when you and I have talked to this situ- talked through this situation, you mentioned uh, the similarities of why Ben Simmons in Atlanta could work the same way it could work in Golden State, having Steph and Clay and, and in Atlanta having Trey and Kevin Herter. So there are many reasons why the Atlanta situation could work. Um, Gallo and Bogdan Bogdanovich are two guys that are at that age where they are willing to contribute and win now. Um, Atlanta also has a couple of guys, a couple of young pieces that they are going to have to pay very soon uh, outside of the Trey Young extension that just took place along with the John Collins one. They've got Onyeko Kongwu, who's the furthest out, but they've also got DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter coming right around uh, the bend. I don't see them moving on from any of those guys, but Ben Simmons is somebody that does come in and John Collins is a guy that has defensive concerns. Trey Young is a guy that has defensive concerns. So adding Ben Simmons into that mix gives you another level of protection and playmaking ability. Trey Young and, and, and Kevin Herter are two guys, like you said, great off the ball shooters, having Ben Simmons playmake and having them, uh, having Trey be able to defer to someone to take the load off of his shoulders and also play off ball makes them even more dangerous uh, as an offensive group. So there is, there is a way in which I, I think that this makes sense for Atlanta. You look at what Gallo's giving you and what Bogdanovich gives you. Uh, they are obviously older than Ben Simmons and they both have had injury histories. So is this a conversation worth having? Um, I think if you're uh, Philadelphia, you, you look at this and you say, well, we, we still need that playmaker. Like we need a playmaker coming back. So I don't know what that looks like. Obviously Lou Williams is, is hanging around there, but he did just get recently signed. So that there, there comes a little bit of uh, complication with that. So maybe that's where, again, where you see this third team getting involved and maybe it's not San Antonio, but maybe you get somebody else who, who does have a playmaker, a veteran playmaker uh, that can come in and kind of fill that gap uh, for Philadelphia. I don't think it's the most ideal return, but like you had mentioned, if you're Atlanta, what, how many picks would you be willing to throw in? Would you be willing to throw in DeAndre Hunter if it means you're getting the starter that significantly raises your floor if you want to bet on Ben Simmons as opposed to waiting for this young group continue to reach your timeline? Another guy in there is Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is another guy who's been shopped out there. So there's a, there are many reasons why Atlanta as a destination makes more sense than it might at the surface. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think Atlanta kind of is the dark horse in all of this for those reasons. I think aside from Golden State, and I think in any trade package, Golden State is going to be a factor for the next year or so just because of the pieces they have. Uh, that being said, I think Atlanta is is kind of an ideal trade package when you look at what's available. And I think, I say this, I don't know what Atlanta would be willing 
to offer. Like I said, it all comes down to how do these teams view Ben Simmons. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm Atlanta, I think for all the reasons you just said, having Ben Simmons run that Draymond point forward role and letting Trey and and Kevin Herter run off ball is a dream scenario for them. Uh, I think there were there were rumblings on Twitter the past couple of years or so uh, of having Trey be like Steph Curry and Kevin Herter being like Clay Thompson. Uh, and, and I don't think Atlanta is going to sit here and say that, that they are as good as those players. But I think you might say that Ben Simmons in that type of role could be a lot better and a lot more useful than Draymond Green. And so obviously until you see it on the floor, it's all just speculation. Uh, but I think it's a, a very interesting conversation to have. And if I'm Atlanta, I, I like that moving forward. I think that long-term looking two years down the road, even next season down the road, uh, being this upcoming season, I think you like your odds rolling those guys out as opposed to the current squad you have. And, and obviously they're a young team um, and their thoughts are, Hey, let's run it back and keep gaining experience. But at a certain point you're going to hit the wall, the gauntlet that we've talked about being the Eastern conference. Uh, and you're going to want a guy to, to help elevate you. So is that Ben Simmons? I think it is. Um, do they see it that way? I just don't know. Yeah, it's, it is, it is tricky. And, and it's tricky wondering if Philadelphia says, Hey, Gallo and Bogdan are two guys that those are the two guys that we want in return. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but maybe they want one of them. And maybe that again, the third team getting involved, maybe kind of a little bit of a, you got, maybe you bring in Bogdan or you bring in Gallo, one of the two, and then you're bringing in that point card. And then the other guy is going in return to the third team. So there are lots of possibilities here, but Atlanta has so many different kinds of contracts. They've got, like you said, win now players, young players, different, very tradable contracts of, of all different salaries. So yeah, it, Atlanta, I, I would, I do agree that Atlanta is definitely a dark horse in this race. Absolutely. So Lauren, I know you wanted to talk to or talk about a Western conference team. Yes. So, so who do you got? Let's give me a, either a trade package or a scenario that, that you could see Ben Simmons moving to the West. Okay. So this is very interesting to me because it's, and you and I, I touched on this when we went to lunch that day and it starts with the Utah jazz. That's my Western conference team. And, and the first question where it either opens the door on this possibility or closes the door um, was where do they see, like, what do they want their direction to be? You and I both agree that they're going to continue to run it back. Uh, but we both, it's come out that they have shopped Bogdanovich and Ingles and just to see if they could clear money, what they want to do. They did clear money by moving Derek favors, uh, and, and use that very well by bringing in, uh, Eric Pascal and, and Rudy Gay. But this is a move by bringing in Ben Simmons that I think could be very interesting. And, the biggest question that I have with the Utah jazz is what do you do with Rudy Gobert? Because this is a guy that's going to be making $40 million a year soon enough. Um, and we saw what happened last year in the playoffs. So would bringing in Ben Simmons allow Utah to have that defensive versatility that allows them to keep Rudy Gobert on the floor or a very valid question that you asked me was what, how, what is the logic behind potentially having one guy that's unplayable in the playoffs and adding a second guy who's unplayable in the playoffs and, and having them on both teams? What is the logic behind that? So it's really, does Utah view that as being 
the case? Would they view it as that's a bad idea? You can't do that. Or do they view it as, hey, having someone as versatile and strong defensively as Ben Simmons would allow us to or would kind of maybe cover up Rudy's, um, I guess, shortcomings and allow us to keep him on the floor. So that's the first question that Utah would need to answer. But I want to present to you this trade scenario, and it's a three-team with Philadelphia, Utah, and San Antonio. And the trade package has Philadelphia receiving Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and DeJounte Murray. Has Utah taking Ben Simmons and Seth Curry to replace some of that scoring that they're losing by losing both of their their shooters. Uh, and it has San Antonio receiving Tyrese Maxey uh, and maybe a couple seconds or a first round pick, depending on what Philly can kind of negotiate and how, how high San Antonio still views DeJounte Murray. I think my argument for this trade package is that Philadelphia is getting two scores that are ready to win now and that are known to contribute in the regular season and in the playoffs. They're getting their uh, replacement point guard who is a long point guard who is a ball handler playmaker but also a strong defensive player um, Utah is getting that scoring replacement they're getting Ben Simmons uh, who is just adds another dimension to that team and then San Antonio is continuing to get younger by taking the gamble on Tyrese Maxey and maybe being able to squeeze a pick out of Philadelphia what are your thoughts on that potential scenario and what are your thoughts with Ben Simmons fitting with the Jazz yeah, so I think unless you're San Antonio getting a first rounder or maybe even two out of this, I don't I don't know that you have a huge reason to come in and facilitate this deal. Um, I, I guess maybe they could see themselves punting on this next year and just saying, hey, you know what? Anything we can do to accumulate younger assets is a win. Um, so maybe maybe that's the deal. But maybe I, I almost would say maybe Derek White being the guy instead of Dejounte Murray. Um, but but back to Back to the jazz aspect of this, you, you brought up what I said last last week, and, and we looked at Rudy, Rudy Gobert being a guy who kind of got played off the floor in the playoffs, and Ben Simmons to the same thing. And so I, I could see two guys being a problem having having on your on your roster come playoff time next year. Um, so do, do two negatives make a positive? Maybe. Uh, maybe that, that's the case. But I think the problem is, uh, you, you see Ben Simmons getting played off the floor for offensive reasons, and you see Rudy get playing off the floor for defensive reasons. So maybe you're able to um, combat that a little bit, adding Ben Simmons. So I don't hate that. I think you look at Utah, maybe another team who think, hey, what can we do to take ourselves to the next level? Uh, I know Donovan Mitchell battled some injuries early in the playoffs that I think kind of kind of hurt them. Um, but, yeah, it, it's another team that, that – just needs to do something. Now, I will say I liked what Utah's done this offseason. They added Rudy Gay. Uh, they did lose Paul Millsap, but they added somebody else that I'm blanking on right now. Um, that that you look at them having – they were capped in a way. They didn't have a lot of moves to make, but they brought back Mike Conley as well. Um, and you look at them and just say, hey, it, this isn't the worst thing for Utah. They got, I think they got a little better. Um, I, I forget who they drafted. I don't know that they're going to come in and, and contribute right away, but – Utah's really best bet is running it back, I think. Um, I don't know that Ben Simmons makes them better. I think that adding Ben Simmons to that team is more of a coin flip than in some other scenarios. And so I don't know that Utah would pull the trigger on that one. Yeah. Uh, to, to clarify, it was it was Derek Favors that they moved off of, not Paul Millsap. And also they drafted Jared Butler, who I actually do believe could come in and give some, some quality bench minutes uh, from 
from Baylor. I think he's, he's the type of guy that could come in and, and impress uh, with Philadelphia. I don't really know that Derek white is somebody Derek white, I think would come in and, and bring you scoring. I don't think he would bring you playmaking. And so that's where the biggest thing comes in for Philly is where, where do you prioritize? And that's why I think Tyrese for DeJounte could make a lot of sense because Tyrese has shown flashes and he's still very young. Uh, and so if you want to get that win now player, personally, I think this is a trade that makes sense for everybody involved. And uh, if I'm Utah, I'm very nervous about Rudy moving forward because if you find yourself where you're on maybe year two of that extension and you're paying him 40 plus million each season, and it is just year after year that he gets an unfavorable matchup in the playoffs and he gets dominated, you are in a very, very deep hole because you don't have any money to work with. They did, they did everything that they needed to do this off season. They've had a, they've had a great off season, but are you competitive? Are you, are you strong enough to, to overcome LA or say you make it to the finals? Are you strong enough to overcome Brooklyn or, or Milwaukee? So that there are a lot of questions there. Uh, so yeah, I think talking about another guy that could raise your floor. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a gamble. It is definitely a gamble for Utah. Uh, but again, it all starts with would adding Ben Simmons solve our Rudy problem solve the potential Rudy problem or could it be a disaster? So again, a big, a big gamble, but if that's a conversation where Donovan Mitchell's involved and Quinn Snyder's involved and that new front office is involved, then not new, I should stop saying new front office. It's a new ownership group as of last year, but it's not that new anymore. Um, if they're all on the same page and they decide to go for it, I don't hate it. Uh, but if they decide to run it back with Joe and, and Boyan, who both enjoy that system and playing there, you know, that I don't think that that's the worst thing either, but I don't really know if they've gotten better enough again to be competitive with, with these top teams. Absolutely. No, no doubt. Uh, thanks for jumping in and, and correcting me on, uh, it is not Paul Millsap and it was Derek Favors. So couple bigs is just getting crossed in my mind in the uh, Utah, Denver, Colorado area. So uh, all good there. Um, but yeah, I think the recurring theme that we talked about all kind of pod was how do these teams value Ben Simmons? What's it going to come down to? Do they see him as a guy that can truly elevate them into the next tier and, and contend for a playoff spot or contend for a title, whatever that may be for, for the respective teams. Um, they're going to be playing chicken in a way. I think when you look at Philly, like what are the offers that are coming through for Ben Simmons? Do you need to go out and overpay um, because of the lack of offers? It's just going to be a very fascinating situation that plays out. There's no doubt we're going to be covering this more as we get closer and closer to uh, the start of the season and just very well may play out as the season kicks off. So we will see. Um, but I think that brings us to another close of the gunshot. Lauren, a lot of great topics. We covered a lot of different teams, a lot of great trades. Uh, no doubt there will be more of this. We may have a pod sometime in the future um, where Lauren and I break down kind of what it looks like to go through these these scenarios. We had a conversation last week. We talked about it a little bit where we went to lunch. Um, maybe we'll pick just a random player, um, whether we think they'll get traded or not, and we'll just show you all our, our thought process behind some of this um, because those conversations that Lauren and I have um, are kind of how this pod started. Uh, we used to just 
spitball talking NBA all the time. And finally we were like, Hey, why don't, why don't we actually sit down and record this? So we'll give you maybe a little peek behind the curtain one day uh, uh, as we continue to talk through all things NBA, but uh, we appreciate you joining us. Stay tuned and we will see you next time on the gunshot.